0: Before we get started, just a heads up that this is the last episode of Season 2. Method and Madness will return at the end of January 2023 for the start of Season 3. Thank you so much for listening and for all of the support, reviews, emails, and messages. I love hearing from you. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a rating or review, and share the podcast with a friend. Have a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. Method and Madness is a true crime podcast and contains descriptions of violence. This episode features themes of domestic abuse. Listener discretion is advised. A victim reports her abuser and files police reports that she's being stalked. The police issue her a fine for wasting their time. This is Method and Madness Episode 53, The Stalking and Murder of Shauna Grice. I'm your host, Don Gandhi. It was Thursday, August 25th, 2016 in West Sussex, a county in Southeast England. Around 7 a.m. on Christery Road in Port Slade, inside a quaint bungalow home lived 19-year-old Shauna Grice and her two roommates. Shauna had woken up next to her boyfriend, 21-year-old Ashley Cook, known as Ash. Ash was off to work and Shauna walked him to the door and the couple said their goodbyes. The two had planned to meet for dinner later that day after they had each finished their shifts at their respective jobs. Ash gave his girlfriend of three and a half years a kiss before leaving. As he turned and walked down the sidewalk, Shauna shut her door and locked it. She was scheduled to start work that morning at the delivery wholesaler Palmer and Harvey, where she was employed. But... Shauna did not show up. Shauna had told colleagues and friends that if she ever failed to show up somewhere, somewhere that she had made a commitment, they should be on alert. Calls to Shauna that morning went unanswered, and so, alarmed that she'd uncharacteristically no-showed her shift, coworkers contacted Ash to see if he knew where Shauna was. He, in turn, contacted his sister and asked if she could stop by Shauna's house and check in on her. Ash then got a call from his sister who told him in a tearful voice that there was a bloody footprint on Shauna's doorstep and that she hadn't gone inside. Ash didn't want to put his sister in any danger and called his father, Ian Cook, and asked him to go over to Shauna's house. Ian went and entered Shauna's home, and was the first to discover the troubling scene inside Shauna's bedroom. When paramedic Michael McHugh arrived at the Christie Road home, he was greeted by Ian Cook, who said, he'd already been inside, that Shauna was dead, and there was nothing that could be done. He cautioned the first responders saying, they shouldn't go in as the home was full of fumes. Michael McHugh also observed that bloody footprint on the doorstep. Nineteen-year-old Shauna Grice was in her bed, which had been slightly burned. There was also an area of her bedroom carpet that had been burned, and there was nobody else inside the home. Shauna's death was considered suspicious, and the cause of death would soon be determined by the medical examiner. Friends and family alerted of the devastating news were heartbroken. Rumors quickly spread that shouting had been heard inside Shauna's home earlier that morning and that Shauna had been in contact with police at several points during that year. It was determined that Shauna had died by having her throat slit. The manner of death was homicide. It appeared that her attacker had attempted to ignite a fire in the home possibly to cover up evidence, but with the bedroom door closed, the lack of oxygen to the bedroom extinguished the fire. Some of Shauna's loved ones had their suspicions about who could have taken her from them, and that person had been right under law enforcement's noses for months. Let's dive in. Shauna Grice was the only child to mother Sharon Grice and stepfather Richard Green. Shauna, who was described by those that loved her as the nicest person you'd ever meet, had a lust for life and was described by close friend Sean as the mom of the group, mature for her age, the caretaker. In 2013, when she was 16, Shauna met and began dating 17-year-old Ashley Cook. The two were inseparable until someone else caught Shauna's eye. It was June of 2015, and 18-year-old Shauna was working for Brighton Fire Alarms as a receptionist. She became acquainted with an older man, 26-year-old Michael Lane, a mechanic. The two clicked and began seeing each other, off and on. Shauna kept the relationship hush-hush. She was still involved with Ash. By that December, Shauna stopped seeing Michael, And it was then that he began displaying some alarming behaviors. He started off by sending her flowers and calling her work, so often that Shauna complained to her friends and to her bosses that the attention was harassment. Her friends were shocked to later find out the man Shauna was complaining about was someone she had been seeing romantically. She had kept that detail from them. When Michael realized that Shauna was also spending time with Ash, his behavior escalated. He slashed her tires and then, to appear as the hero, was sympathetic and offered to fix the tires for her. Next, he keyed Ash's car and left a note that said, Dear Ash, Shauna has and always will cheat on you. Happy New Year. Shauna called the police and said, quote, I don't really know how to start this conversation, but I think I am being stalked. She explained that Michael had sent her unwanted flowers and left a message on her boyfriend's damaged car. The police, in turn, warned Michael to leave Shauna alone. Fueled by jealousy, Michael continued exhibiting obsessive behavior. He spent time in Shauna's neighborhood hoping to get a glimpse of her comings and goings and to see who she was hanging out with. He would spend most days following Shauna and in one incident in late March, followed her down the street and pulled her hair while attempting to snatch away her cell phone. Police responded in person to take the report, but they spoke to Shauna in the presence of Ash's family who were there comforting her. Shauna, in turn, didn't reveal the extent of her relationship with Michael Lane. So, when the police reached out to Michael regarding the assault, he admitted that he'd grabbed Shauna's phone, but informed the police that he was in a romantic relationship with Shauna and showed them text messages that the two had exchanged. Trevor Godfrey of the Sussex Police, upon learning of the pair's relationship, came to the conclusion that Shauna's claims about Michael were unwarranted, that she was creating a quote-unquote smokescreen, trying to cover up the fact that she'd been having this on-and-off relationship with Michael while also seeing Ash. Days later, Shauna followed up with the police and reported Michael again. This time, the police sent a letter to her saying that the case was closed and no further action would be taken. To top it off, Shauna was issued a penalty notice of 90 pounds or 108 US dollars for failing to disclose that she'd been in a relationship with Michael Lane and for quote, having caused wasteful employment of police by making a false report. Trevor Godfrey had determined that Shauna couldn't possibly be a victim if she was or at one point had been in a romantic relationship with the accused. This misguided thinking would lead to serious consequences. In April, Shauna came clean to Ash that she'd been seeing someone else, and the two split up. Ash had his heart broken, and on social media he'd see pictures of Shauna, his first love, and her new beau, Michael Lane. He deleted Shauna's number and tried to move on. It's obvious that, in spite of Michael's behavior, Shauna was torn, it's likely that his manipulation and persistence were putting Shauna in a position where she struggled to leave her abuser. Often, in these situations, women can feel like they have little self-worth or like staying is easier than the nightmare of leaving. Throughout the pair's off-and-on relationship, there were threats made by Michael that if she left him, he would commit suicide, another form of manipulation. But by July, Shauna mustered up the courage and told Michael that it was over. She called Ash and, over the phone, cried, explaining how she'd made a big mistake and wanted to get back together. Ash was ecstatic, and the two resumed the relationship that had begun more than three years earlier. But Michael Lane wasn't going to go quietly. Michael Lane had spent months chasing after Shauna. His affection for her had turned into obsession as he begged and pleaded for her to stay with him and played victim if she ever tried to leave. Later that month, Shauna woke up in her bedroom to the sound of her door being opened, and then she heard breathing. Someone was in her room, standing over her and watching her sleep. Scared, She hid under the blanket, hoping the person would go away. After she was sure they'd left, Shauna peered out her window to see Michael Lane walking away from her house. This time, police arrived at Shauna's house to investigate, and when they confronted Michael, he had a key to Shauna's house in his pocket, one that he had stolen from her home. Instead of being arrested for stalking, he was cautioned about the theft. According to stalking statistics published by the UK government, break-ins are one of 17 common stalking behaviors. Other behaviors include following, sending letters, and doing criminal damage, all behaviors that Michael had exhibited. The police had told Shauna that if she wanted anything to be done about Michael, she had to provide evidence that he was stalking her. And so, during a conversation over the phone, Shauna recorded the moments when she confronted Michael about breaking into her home.
1: And so, uh, one question that's really bugging me why did you take the key in the first place? I just
2: to see you.
1: Yeah, but
2: that. Okay. Um, I wanted to see you and probably talk to you, and I knew you wouldn't let me in otherwise.
1: Yeah, but that's not good because it's putting us in danger. You could have flipped at any point. What about no, if... I have uh, What about if oh. I took... What about if I took someone home or something and then you came in and saw that I was with someone else?
2: Oh, I just would have left. Well, you, But you left anyway. Yeah, I know I did.
1: But it's just... It's just, oh, yeah, no, it's you, you had no right at all to... Oh no, I didn't. I know I got no right or
2: nothing. I know that.
1: Well, I, I still I, you need to apologize to the girls because it is it's out of order. Yeah, I know. I
2: just don't want any trouble
1: because the last thing I want is to out. Yeah. Well just as long you just just don't do it again. And I if you come near again. the house again, uh Oh I
2: won't come near the house again or we'll contact you
1: again. Okay. I just, just I think that mind. I think that's because it's just gonna keep okay. on going around this vicious circle, isn't it?
0: Still, the harassment continued, and the next day, Shauna received approximately seven phone calls from a blocked number and heard a heavy breather on the other end. Again, she reported the incident to the police, who told her that there were no further lines of inquiry and the case would be left on file. Without her knowledge, Michael installed a tracking device on Shauna's car so he could keep tabs on her at all times. When she was on the move, so was Michael driving behind her. Every 10 days, Michael would return to Shauna's home and recharge the battery on the tracker. He would suddenly appear at places that she was at, pubs, restaurants, or clubs that she was at with her friends. He'd also deflate her tires in hopes that it would give him another opportunity to fix them for her. In total, Shauna reported the stalking and harassment that she had experienced at the hands of Michael Lane five times between February and August. Despite the events that had transpired that spring and summer, Shauna was ultimately regarded by police as a liar. Let's try to put ourselves in Shauna's shoes for a moment. There's nothing unbelievable about a romantic partner being your abuser. If anything, statistically, 45% of stalking victims are stalked by ex-partners. Shauna was not only the victim of obsessive behavior, but now she was being scolded for trying to get the stalking to stop. Scolded by the people who were supposed to protect her. She was blamed because in the mind of the officer that she dealt with, Shauna couldn't possibly be a victim if she had once had, or currently had, a relationship with her stalker. Shauna voiced her concerns to some of her friends and said that she wasn't being believed. And at just 19 years old, that must have felt overwhelmingly traumatic on top of the trauma of already being stalked. The anxiety, depression, the restlessness. Stalking is intended to harass, intimidate, or terrorize the victim, and Michael Lane was proving to be successful at it. According to the study Stalking, Patterns, Motives, and Intervention Strategies, the most common motivations to stalk someone are 1. A delusional belief in romantic destiny. This would fall in line with a case covered in Season 1, where Richard Farley met Laura Black at work and determined they were meant to be together. Despite her telling him multiple times she was not interested in him romantically, his obsession with her kept escalating. He relentlessly stalked her for years before finally entering the workplace and killing seven of their colleagues. Another pattern is the stalker has a, quote, psychotic over-identification with the victim and the desire to replace him or her This is most commonly seen in cases where the target is a public figure. But in the case of Michael Lane, his behaviors resembled the two other common motivations for stalking. A desire to reclaim a prior relationship, in which case the stalker believes that they can get their ex-partner back, no matter how clear the victim has made it that they want no contact whatsoever. And finally, there's a sadistic urge to torment the victim. Stalkers who victimize former partners may be motivated by thoughts like, you'll never be free of me, or if I can't have you, nobody else can. But non-romantically motivated stalkers also often fall into this category. In early August, Michael sent Shauna a letter. In it, he demanded she pay him back, quote, a couple of hundred pounds for what he said she owed him. This invoice of sorts was related to things that Michael had paid for or bought for Shauna while they were seeing each other, things like parking, meals at restaurants, even a bottle of perfume he'd gotten her as a gift. Now that Shauna and Ash were committed to each other, they were planning on settling down and hoped to start a family by 2017. Shauna was looking to finally, once and for all, make it clear to Michael that their relationship was over. On August 23rd, 2016, Shauna met with Michael at a hotel in Hove where she confirmed to him their relationship was in fact done. She'd moved on. At a pub located inside the hotel, Michael told a patron that he'd been depressed when his girlfriend had broken up with him earlier and that now she was going to pay for what she had done. Statistics show that one in two domestic stalkers follow through on their threats. On August 24th, Michael Lane bought a can of gas. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. We're talking about some heavy subject matter today, and it's okay to feel stressed, sad, or anxious. It's also okay to take care of yourself. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com/methodandmadness. That's better h e l p slash Method and Madness. On the morning of August 25th, 2016, Michael grabbed a few items from his home to later be used to disguise himself, a jacket and a cap he could pull down over his face. He got in his car and drove to Shauna's home just before 7.30 a.m. and watched as her roommates and her boyfriend left the house to go to work. With Shauna alone inside, Michael entered the home. Gripping a knife that police think he took from Shauna's kitchen and that has never been found since, Michael walked into Shauna's bedroom. A neighbor heard the sound of a woman's voice, raised but not screaming. Nobody is sure of exactly what transpired in Shauna's room in those moments. Only Michael Lane knows for sure but it's likely that Shauna was confronted by Michael and saw that he had a weapon. Michael slit Shauna's throat and left her dying for several moments on the floor next to her bed. While she lay there, Michael searched for Shauna's bank cards and then removed his bloody clothing items and put them into a bag. He changed into his disguise a hoodie that he may have taken from Shauna's house and the jacket and blue cap he'd brought with him. He pulled the hood up over his cap and walked out of the home, his head down. From there, Michael drove to nearby Graham Avenue, where he was captured on CCTV using an ATM. After attempting to withdraw the amount of money he claimed Shauna owed him, Michael realized that the amount was not available in the account. Next. He did a balance check and withdrew 60 pounds. He then drove around for a while and purchased a bottle of water. He again returned to Shauna's house and again was captured on CCTV on Christry Road at approximately 8.22 a.m. He was carrying a bag and entered Shauna's house. Most likely, he had transferred the gas into the water bottle. Once inside the house, he moved Shauna's body from her floor onto her bed and then doused the floor and bed with gasoline before igniting a fire. Michael closed the bedroom door behind him and exited the home. However, the oxygen in the room soon depleted and the fire was extinguished before all of the evidence could be destroyed. He went home and showered to wash away all of the evidence. He then went to a field to hide his bloody clothing and his sneakers and, seemingly, to dispose of the murder weapon. He was seen by a witness who reported to the police that the person of interest in the murder of Shauna Grice was seen outside disposing of some items. The following day, Michael Lane was interviewed by the police. about 5, um, sorry, 9.45
2: yesterday morning, uh, Shauna Grice was found dead in her bedroom. Tell me what happened to her. I don't know. Well, when her body was found, it was clear that someone had assaulted her, and they'd tried to set fire to her body. So tell me what you know about what happened to her yesterday. I mean that know, what I've been told since being here.
0: He claimed he didn't know anything about Shauna's murder, But when faced with some of the evidence, including that he was captured on CCTV near the crime scene, Michael started changing his story, saying that he stopped by Shauna's house, but she was already dead.
2: You ain't going to believe me, but it's up to you. In the the morning, I do go to Shauna's. After I've been to... Uh, Valley Road shops. Yeah. And I was, was seen going back, parked up. When I went past her road, her car was still there. Okay. Which I knew was odd because she was meant to be I knew She started work at half 8 and that was about the time. It was about 20 past eight, so I knew she was about to have left for work. So I went, I went round, walked around there, the door was open. Front door was open. Wide open or unlocked? No, it was open. No, it wasn't wide open. but It was like half. Okay. Half open. So I went in there. her, her bedroom door was open. Half open again. Jeez. She was on the floor. Tell me about your thought process then. About what made you think right? Rather than just calling the police and the ambulance, I'm going to just leave. Because so I was scared. does I didn't know what have never seen a bit. I didn't know what was going on. Know. Okay, so let's let's say let's go with this idea that you're scared. Talk me through that. What were you scared would happen? That things would turn up and think that I did it.
0: It's likely that Michael was hoping that Ash Cook would take the fall for Shauna's murder, but he wasn't counting on the fact that security cameras captured him all morning, and that he was seen near the home by a neighbor and seen by that field disposing of evidence. And of course, Shauna's bank records told a pretty damning story. Found in Michael's car were two 20 pound notes and two 10 pound notes, the amount of cash he had withdrawn from the ATM shortly after Shauna was murdered. When Michael was confronted about the gas can that he had purchased, he told police it was his intention to kill himself by lighting himself on fire. This interview was later analyzed by an emotional intelligence expert, Dr. Cliff Lansley, who said that Michael Lane did not act like a man grieving over his ex. Instead, his facial expressions were more indicative of a sulking child. Dr. Lansley said, quote, He is faking sadness. The facial expression is characterized by the brows being slightly down and the chin is forced up into a pout, almost like a sulking child. Sadness doesn't look like that. Sadness is eyebrows up and the corners of the mouth down. Additionally, a linguistics expert, Don Archer, observed the way that Michael Lane said he didn't know the answer to something. Rather than saying, I don't know, he would answer, don't know, which Don says was a subconscious way of depersonalizing himself from the crime. The police interview with Michael Lane can be found online if you're interested in watching. Michael was arrested and charged for the murder of Shauna Grace. The trial began in March 2017. Michael Lane denied killing Shauna and entered a plea of not guilty. He testified that he was only motivated by a desire to know why his ex-girlfriend had abruptly ended their relationship. He had never meant her any harm by incessantly calling her and following her. He said that two nights before Shauna died, the two had sex, so, when he showed up at her home on the morning of august twenty fifth he was shocked to find her front door was half open, and she was dead in her bedroom. He said quote, "I saw her slumped against the bed. she wasn't moving. I saw blood on the bed and blood on the floor. She was in her dressing gown. I thought she was dead. I didn't know what to do. He said he panicked and quickly left the house without calling for help without." checking Shauna's vitals, and without telling his own family about what he had just seen. When asked why he had hidden his sneakers in a field, he testified that there was blood on them from being at the scene and that he had panicked once he heard police sirens. The jury deliberated for two hours before coming to a unanimous decision. Michael Lane's story of what happened that day defied all logic. The physical evidence showed him at Shauna's home, in the areas around her home, and cameras captured him before and after entering Shauna's house, after with a new outfit on. Then there was the gas can purchase and the ATM activity. And so the jury found Michael Lane guilty of the murder of 19-year-old Shauna Grice. He was sentenced to 25 years minimum. Mr. Justice Green read a statement to Michael Lane at the time of sentencing. Here is one excerpt from that statement.
3: In my judgment, this was a murder following significant premeditation. When you set out on 25th August, you intended to kill Shauna in her own home. You knew where you would find an appropriate killing weapon, in Shauna's kitchen, and it was part of your plan to use this knife. This was a long way away from a spur-of-the-moment killing you also combine murder with arson. If you had not closed the door behind you when you left Shauna's bedroom, then the fire would have been fed by oxygen from outside the room, and there is a real likelihood that the house would have burned down and Shauna would have been incinerated. There is also a risk that the fire could have spread to neighboring homes, causing a danger to the lives of others. I also cannot ignore the theft this was a cold-hearted and callous action. It reveals a lack of remorse on your part that, having just minutes before, murdered the young woman you professed to adore. You set about stealing her savings. I do not believe, however, that the theft was the main motivation for the murder. That was a combination of anger at Shauna for having split with you and jealousy of any other man such as her long-standing boyfriend Ashley that she might replace you with.
0: Sharon Grice, Shauna's mother, read a victim impact statement in court and said, quote, Shauna was a beautiful, bright, and bubbly, kind-natured 19-year-old who brought joy to all those who knew and loved her. She was popular throughout childhood. She made friends easily and was never grumpy. She loved life and was always enthusiastic. She particularly enjoyed spending time with her grandparents, with whom she had a very strong relationship. We have lost our beautiful, kind and thoughtful daughter. We miss her giggles and laughter, the jokes we shared, and having her to hold and share our future lives together as a family. Although justice was served and Michael Lane was taken away to serve a 25-year sentence, there was an elephant in the room, and that elephant was police misconduct. Shauna's parents were not done fighting for justice. They said that their daughter had taken her concerns to the police and, instead of being protected, was treated like a criminal and that, ultimately, she paid for the police's lack of training, care, and poor attitude, and she paid with her life. It's only right that the police make changes, but it's too little too late for Shauna, her parents said. Following the murder trial, there was an investigation into Trevor Godfrey the police officer who had accused Shauna Grice of wasting his time and who had issued her that 90-pound fine. Disciplinary proceedings were held in a court in East Sussex where a panel found that Godfrey, who had since retired, failed to adequately investigate Shauna Grice's allegations of harassment and stalking and failed to treat her as a victim, behavior that amounted to a breach of police rules. The panel also said that Godfrey's actions amounted to the lesser disciplinary offense of misconduct for which Godfrey, now retired, would not have been fired had he still been working. James Berry, who presented the case against Godfrey, accused the former officer of leaving Shauna with a clear impression that she was wasting police time and had committed a criminal offense. Godfrey responded to this with, Quote, absolutely, she did waste my time. When James Berry accused Godfrey of applying an inaccurate stereotype that a woman could not be at risk from a romantic partner, Godfrey responded, quote, I don't have those views. There was no history of violence between them. There was no evidence of violence or risk at that time. When summarizing the case, James Berry said, Mr. Godfrey simply lost his impartiality and Lane became the victim and Shauna became the wrongdoer. Mr. Godfrey's handling of this case did not represent the impartiality expected of a police officer. After the hearing, Shauna's parents made the following statement, we can barely believe what we have witnessed these past two days. The panel allowed a wholesale character assassination of our daughter, who was obviously not here to defend herself. Godfrey's testimony only proved his discriminatory attitude, even accusing Shauna of coercing Lane. We can barely believe what we have heard. To add insult to injury, we have been subjected to aggressive and bullying tactics from Godfrey's representatives, yet we were the ones accused of trying to intimidate him. Another officer, identified only as PC Mills, was accused of gross misconduct after failing to adequately investigate allegations of harassment and stalking. This was related to the incident when Michael Lane stole Shauna's key and broke into her home. The panel found that Mills was guilty of gross misconduct and that his actions may have contributed to Shauna's death. Since Shauna's murder, Sussex police have undergone training in order to improve the way that officers respond to reports of stalking. Detective Chief Inspector Mick Richards has issued guidelines that victims can follow to protect themselves. It's recommended that a victim hold on to any messages, gifts, letters, pictures, emails, voicemails, as these things can be used as evidence. It's also recommended to keep a log of any incidents that occur. Shauna's parents say that the Sussex police shouldn't be applauded for this effort. Quote, Instead, we would encourage people to reflect on why they're making these changes. A young girl went to them for protection and ended up murdered in her own home by the very person she'd asked the police to protect her from. Since the trial, 13 women have come forward and filed reports stating that they were also stalked and harassed by Michael Lane. If you are a victim of stalking, help is available. In the UK, you can call the National Stalker Helpline at 0808-802-0300. In the US, call Victim Connect, one 4 victim That's one 484 Six. Thank you so much for listening to Method and Madness. Because this is an independent podcast, the best way you can support me is by going ahead and leaving a 5-star rating on Spotify, or a 5-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. It makes the show more visible for new listeners. I'm on Twitter at MethodPod, and on Instagram at MethodAndMadnessPod. There's a Method and Madness page on Facebook, too. To chat or discuss the episode, reach out to me at methodandmadnesspod at gmail.com. Method and Madness is researched, written, and hosted by me. Sound editing is by Mo and Spo. That's it for now. Until next time, take care of yourself. For crisis support, text HELLO to 741-741.